0: Hi, creative. It's Lauren here. I just want to remind you that if you love the podcast, the best way to support the show is by leaving it a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Actually, Spotify just started accepting ratings. So go ahead and rate it on there and tell all your friends to do it because it's super simple. It takes literally one second. I mean, maybe four seconds, but it's really quick. And uh, another great way to support the show is by sharing it with a friend or posting about it on social media. If you do post it on social media, tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. And remember to tag the guests, too, so they can also share. OK, now let's get to the show. Family Patterns and Generational Trauma. It's something I think about a lot, do you ever? Do you ever wonder how much of your life and your issues are actually based on your own choices and what you've been through versus how much you're just playing out patterns that you witnessed and or ingested from generations past and present? Through epigenetics, they found that trauma can be passed through our DNA for up to 16 generations. It's pretty mind-blowing. And that's why I'm excited that today's guest is a family patterns expert who will teach you how to free yourself from ancestral trauma and patterns so that you can be your full, truest self and Unleash. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, and multi-passionate creative. And this show is meant to give you tools to claim your right to creativity, take fear out of the driver's seat, and love, trust, and know yourself enough to pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. Today's guest is Judy Wilkins-Smith. She's a highly regarded organizational, individual, and family patterns expert, systemic coach, motivational speaker, and founder of System Dynamics for Individuals and Organizations. She's also the author of Meditation of the Father, Meditation of the Mother, and Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint. She has 18 years of expertise in assisting high-performance individuals and Fortune 500 executives and their teams to break limiting cycles and reframe challenges into lasting breakthroughs through an approach called constellations or interactive mapping, which allows you to map out generational issues at play, feel them, and heal them. From our chat, you'll learn the difference between close-minded and close-hearted, how to transform the meaning of trauma into possibility, how to align your heart and your gut, how to identify generational patterns throughout your family, decode your emotional blueprint, and so much more. Now, here she is, the incredible Judy Wilkins-Smith. Thank you so much for being on the show. I am... So excited. This is like my exact jam. So what you do is everything to me. Thank you for being here. And
1: thank you for having me. I am so pleased to be here.
0: It is my honor. So, okay, your creativity story is Pretty interesting. I heard you say in another interview, it was either you write books or you're going to go crazy. And you thought that writing books was a better method, which I agree with. So, can you take me through what brought you to that place and how creativity helped save you and eventually bring you to the work you're doing today?
1: Absolutely. So, what happened was my father was killed. And um, that's when I went to it's either write books or go crazy. And um, writing the books, I was doing research for something along these lines, bumped into somebody who was already doing it, and they said, come and learn the work, and I will give you help with a book. So I went and learned the work and got zero help with a book, may I just say. <laughs> but then just going into it and understanding more and more about my own lineage was super helpful. I started working with individuals, and then it became high-profile individuals, high potentials c-suites and then they said to me well can you do it for companies and I said sure we could do it for companies let me go and study in the Netherlands came back I think where the creativity piece came in for me it's so important for creatives is I didn't have a purpose I started doing it to survive full transparency along the way I asked myself one question what's possible here And that's what changed it. It was, where's the adventure? I can't continue to do this just because I can do it. But it was when I could see the adventure in what I was doing and the endless possibilities and how I could take this really big and people could benefit from it profoundly that it changed everything for me. So I always say to people, it's it's a nice idea that your purpose chooses you. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it really does. Most often you choose it for a very good reason. And in fact, I have a daughter who's a physician and her mother died when she was four years old in one day, day after her birthday. And she said to me, you know, mom, I became a doctor because I didn't want any daughter to ever go through losing a mom because they didn't have access to the information or they didn't do the tests they needed. That she only shared with me this year when I got sick. Mm. and went and did something about it because she insisted. And we were sitting down and she said to me, you know what the joke is? I did it for the daughter and that daughter is me.
0: Oh, that gives me chills. How beautiful. And I love also that you discovered this work through doing your own healing work, that through working to heal the incredible loss of uh, the sudden loss of your father, you were able to find and uncover this and make sure that that pain didn't get passed on to future generations?
1: Absolutely. I I call it his final gift. People say, how can you find the gift in that it really was? If he hadn't have left us, I probably would never have done what I do now. But even stranger was, this work is based on the Zulu tribe. It's based on Hellinger work in the Zulu tribe. And I don't know if you heard me say, but in South Africa, I was actually in the healthcare arena. And when I left, the person who gave my farewell speech said, You may be leaving us, but you'll find a way to represent us. And he was a Zulu gentleman. And I went, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And now, now I do it every day. It's amazing.
0: So tell me, yeah, how did it come from the Zulu tribe? Like, how did this originate with them? And how has it transformed to what you do today?
1: Okay. So, first of all, if you watch them the way Hellinger did, he noticed that they didn't have neuroses. Because every time something goes wrong, they go back to the ancestors. It's not just the Zulu tribe, but that's who he was with. They go back to the ancestors to see why the ancestors are unhappy. Well, ancestors in systems are unhappy when they've been excluded, overlooked, incomplete, because it funnels up and it begins to create patterns in the system Mm. that are not helpful. And so just when we think we've got it all together, we'll U turn and go, What was that about? Well, let's go and have a look at your ancestry. Oh, yeah. He was doing really well until. And now there's an unconscious loyalty because it was never resolved. And we keep repeating that unconscious loyalty.
0: Okay, so so much to break down from what you just said. Can we go through some of these big things that we're talking about? So I know there's systemic work, there's constellations, there's emotional DNA, unconscious loyalty. Can we go through and define what some of these things are?
1: For sure. So let's start with what is emotional DNA? Emotional DNA, is that's what I call it. It's the patterns of thoughts, feelings, actions, mindsets that you've inherited from way back. So some terrible event happens or significant event happens. And immediately a significant event happens, you begin to think and you begin to react. So you've got thoughts and you've got feelings and then you take actions and then you start to say things. Be careful of that. Watch out for money. Relationships don't work. Men are terrible. And that echoes down through the system. In addition to which, epigenetically, if the impact is significant enough, it then imprints on the gene system and it starts to activate the genes or deactivate the genes. So now you've got that epigenetic imprint and you've got all of the do's, don'ts, thoughts, feelings, actions. Mm. That's your emotional DNA. So you might think that you struggle with money just because. No, have a look in the generations. You might say, I'm terrible with relationships. Who else was? Who struggled? And why are you doing it too? You're doing it too because the pattern's echoing all the way down to you and saying, can you do something different? Can you put this to rest? Can you give me my place? And can you begin writing a new chapter for the system? So, it's really, really important stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. So powerful. And I know you've said, like, just by acknowledging this pattern, that's what starts the healing. So, yeah, acknowledging is enough. But what happens when it comes up again in us?
1: Then we've acknowledged, but not fully given it its place, and also not done something different. Because if I acknowledge, hey, nobody in this family, has good relationships. I have a couple of avenues. I can repeat it, go, yeah, me too. Or I could say, I really want somebody nice. I acknowledge that for all of you, it didn't work and I can see why and where it happened. Watch me when I do something different. Mm. Now you're switching the pattern up. And here's the very important piece of that. Your brain has to tell your body a story that the body can believe. Super important. That's how we create our lives. What does that mean in practice? So you say, Oh my goodness, I don't believe I just did that. I'm so stupid. This is terrible. It's going to have awful consequences. And your body is sweating and you feel just awful. Your brain's told your body a story that the body believes. Now you look at something else and you go, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Can't believe I did that. Look what I just achieved. And you've got goosebumps. I can do this. And now your brain is saying, I can do this. And your body is going, yes, I can. And you start to switch everything up. That's our magic. And we don't always realize that we have it, but we do. You talk about the
0: connection that we're in our heads a lot, but we have to get into our gut and into our heart, right? Yeah. Is that part of what you're talking about here? What does that mean?
1: Yes, it is. Because here's the deal. It's never that we're closed-minded, ever. It's that we're closed hearted mm. and closed hearted is when we get a bang or a ding and we get a fright or we get really sad and we shut down. The minute you do that, the brain switches to survival mode. So now it's just doing survival, survival, survival. And if you listen to your stomach, your stomach is in knots. It's when we look at that and we go, I can't do that anymore. And we start opening up to something and we go, look, what's possible that the heart opens And then the heart says, oh my goodness, I'm feeling amazing. And the head goes, okay, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? And it starts to go in search of pieces that would fit with this new heart's feeling. And the gut goes, I'm feeling this. My instinct tells me, let's go in this direction. And the stomach is good. The heart is good. The head is good. And when those three align, you get a state of cohesion. And in that state of cohesion, that's when transformation happens.
0: And when they're not aligned, what are some things that you find are coming up in people that you work with? Like, let's say they are totally out of tune with their gut and their heart. What sort of patterns do you see from someone like that?
1: I'm fine. We can do this. Totally got this. Never mind my stomach that's got me going to the doctor every two minutes. So that's one of the patterns. It's literally what can you not stomach? I can do this. I don't need to feel feelings. Feelings are awful. Okay, let's try that because guess what? Until you can feel, your brain can't imagine. Now, then I ask people, do you watch horror movies? No, of course not. But you tell yourself horror stories about yourself all day long and you believe them. We're very, very good at creating our reality and then wondering why it's smacking us so hard.
0: Mm, Put it on a t-shirt. I love that. So, okay, this is brilliant. I want to also define constellations. What are the constellations?
1: Okay, so I'm going to go two ways. First, systemic work, because they fold in together. Perfect. So systemic work is the study of you in a system. You didn't happen in a vacuum. It's why I love ancestry and genealogy. This is genealogy 2.0. You know where you belong. This shows you why that matters. So it's the study of you in a system how did you come to be you why are you scared when the lights go out what do you do with money when it's the study of you where it came from who was the originator how it's impacting you and most importantly what's trying to shift and grow into something else so that's systemic work constellations the breakthrough piece where people come in to a live event. Sometimes I'll do it via Zoom as well. You can do that. But live event is really super helpful. So somebody will come in, sit down next to me, and we look at the issue and I take a history and we identify the components of that issue. Say it's mom, dad, sister, brother, you. Mm -hmm. And then I say to them, okay, pick someone from the audience to represent your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, yourself. Now give me a picture of what that looks like when we look at this issue. Mom's way over there, dad's right next to you, brother's next to you, sister's off in the distance. And I begin to ask questions about that. And I listen very, very carefully to the language because we all speak multi-generational language. You say things that are idiosyncratic to you. And so I listen for those see, I'm stupid. I knew I could never do this. I knew it. I mean, look at my mother. She doesn't even look at me. Why doesn't your mother look at you? Let's have a look. What happened to mom? Well, she lost a child after me or a child before me. Her mother never looked at her. Okay. So we have a pattern. Yeah. Well, grandmother always used to say her mother never looked at her. Okay. Well, she couldn't look at them because great-grandfather dropped dead and she had to put food on the table. There wasn't time. So do you see it's not about you? Oh, so now you can see they're beginning to change. But here's the piece. In a constellation, they're seeing it, hearing it, touching it, walking through it. So it's an embodied experience that they're having. And that then hits head, heart, gut. And it starts to shift them. And within a matter of about an hour to an hour and a half, You'll suddenly see the language shifting. You'll see the thoughts shifting. You'll see the body moving differently. And they'll go, I'm not feeling the same way. It's not my fault. I can do this differently. And they're starting to process. So what they're now doing is they're rewiring the brain. The heart is open and the gut's going, oh, my goodness, this feels very different. And you have that big aha shift boom moment.
0: So just acknowledging that this pattern happened and had nothing to do with them and seeing, and it seems like through this, you'd also build compassion for those people who have been the villains maybe in your mind.
1: Yes. Yes. Often what we see is they switch from my father, the villain to, oh my goodness, he went through all that and he still was a dad. Mm. He's amazing. How'd that happen? So it really does give us a very different perspective. And sometimes it does have to do with us. Maybe we're the originator, in which case, what do you want to do with that? Do you want to see only this side or do you want to look at the other side? Because in every single train wreck that hits you, there is always the potential for the other. There is always something good. The universe is elegant. It always gives you both you make the choice. Oh, gosh, Judy, these one liners. I'm
0: (laughs) the universe is elegant. Let's go out to dinner with it. I'm ready. (laughs) I'll bring out the good China. Absolutely. Okay, so I love all this. Now you spoke about unconscious loyalties, which I know is also connected to this piece. Can you really touch on what that is and how we might be holding those in ourselves?
1: Yes. So you're going along, you're really doing well, but there's this one area where you cannot excel. It doesn't matter what you do. Let's say it's the money. You're doing really well, but the money doesn't match how well you're doing. And my question to you will be, so to whom are you loyal in the ways that you cannot allow that money in or go for that big piece? Well, dad didn't do it. Yeah, so if dad couldn't, I shouldn't. Because we are so clear as children about belonging to our group that we will sabotage ourselves in order to stay belonging. So to whom are you loyal in the ways that you cannot succeed? That's your unconscious loyalty. Well, I can't be happy. My mom was always so sad. Terrible things happened to her. So the inner sentence is, my dear mom so you don't suffer alone, I'll do it too. And do we want to do that? There's a very different sentence. My dear mom, I see that you suffered and I respect what you went through. Because of you, I'm determined to do well. Watch me. Very different. That
0: really hits my heart. How, when we do that, when we decide to break the pattern, when we decide to break the loyalty... And form a loyalty to being the biggest version of ourselves instead. How does that heal up and down the bloodline?
1: Okay. So, of course, down is easier because you know that when you begin to change, your kids, anyone who comes after you is looking at you going, well, if she can do it, I have permission. Mom's fun. I can be fun too. Mom's happy. Me too. My community is is looking at me. I'm happy. My community can be happy. But here's the other one when you have a father or a mother who are really, really difficult, and I had this a lot, they're really difficult. They don't react much. They're very cut off because their mothers and fathers didn't love them. And so you also distance yourself. I often said to them Imagine getting up in the morning. And realizing that over there, there was no energy for you. And over here, there is no energy for you. Where is your purpose? But when you look at them and you go, you know what? Because of you, me, they get to know they matter. And they did something right. And its name was you. Mm.
0: I relate to this work so much because do you know what human design is at all? Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I've heard of it. So it's kind of like, it's newer, but it's a mixture of astrology, Kabbalah, like acupuncture points. That's really interesting, but it takes your birth time and place and puts it into this thing and creates a chart for you. And there's something in it called the Incarnation Cross. And my Incarnation Cross, like the reason that this system says I was created was to be intuitive about the past I'm here to provide guidance by reconciling the past and assimilating history to draw out the nugget of advice for what has already occurred and bring it into the future.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So you're going to the wisdom of the past, which is the collective unconscious, as you are bringing it into the now. And by the way, you're adding to the collective unconscious. So at all times, you're adding to that. And the question is, what are you adding to that? Because once you know about this, like you know about human design or you know about this work, you can't walk back through that door. Sorry, the victim piece is like you want to play that now you're really playing because you know it doesn't exist and you've chosen. So, yes, you're taking the wisdom of the past, which is super important. That's the pattern trying to rest mm-hmm. and become the wisdom of the past in order to create the platform for what's trying to emerge through you. In order to inform the future so you're pretty much playing with the collective unconscious and the quantum field in order to create what must come and when you do it consciously it's potent
0: is it ever because when i started learning about this i wasn't aware of your work at the time but i was hearing about ancestral trauma and i was realizing the patterns that had played out in my own life my grandma was abused by her mom and then I kept getting into these weird situations with abusive women. My mom was great and very loving, but I had an abusive choir director and an abusive friend. And then I was in an abusive workplace. And it was when I started learning about this work, I was like, wait a second. This isn't random. This is playing out in me. My grandma may have broken the pattern of abuse by not abusing her kids, but right. that pattern is still playing out in me somehow with these people.
1: And yeah. Tell and me more. Can I... Yeah. So it's not just about you. If in systems, if the abuse is excluded, it's going to keep showing up. And if the abuser is excluded, they will keep showing up.
0: Oh, OK. So tell me more, because something else that has been a thing in my family that I'm the one that talks about is that this happened. Nobody would talk publicly about the fact that this even happened to my grandma, even though when she was dying, she was crying, saying my mother never loved me. Like this was a big secret in our family. And I feel like because of that family secret, because we wouldn't talk about the mental illness that my great grandmother had, it's been playing out in all of us. And I'm the first person to go public and talk about it.
1: Yes, Chris Rock said, "Secrets rot the soul." Yes, they do the yes. the entire soul. So your great grandma is the one who had a mental illness. We don't talk, you know, in Conta, we don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, that's exactly. Who, that's, yeah, that's great grandma. Now, then you've got the abusive situation that comes in. So you've got the victim and the perpetrator. And what we know is that if you exclude either, they keep showing up because both belong in the system. In your case, your piece is actually to give the abuser their place. Mm-hmm. Just to say, you are here and you know what? You've inspired me in my own way to do something different. There is a place for you. We cannot exclude it. This is where we struggle in the world. Mm-hmm. We want to keep rotating. So instead of actually giving each its place and the abuser and the abused get to do something with it, we want to keep swapping places. Because if we don't acknowledge what happened and we don't say to them, I see that you hurt me, this stays with you, but I can learn, we become the next abuser. Mm. So the victim and the perpetrator keep swapping. If we both see it, if I see it and you see it and we've got the victim and the perpetrator and we look at each other and say, how do we do this differently? We can move forward. Instead, at the moment, we see four generations ago, there was great abuse and there were great abusers. Now we're asking this generation. This generation is saying, you owe me. And we can't do that. Yeah, We've got to look at each other and say, how do we do it differently?
0: Right. And I don't know if this is part of your work, too, but I've learned to build a great amount of compassion for my great grandmother, even though obviously she did a horrific thing over and over again to my grandmother, What was she going through on the inside? Finger. What happened to her that the sight of my grandma made her so upset that she would chase her around the house with a butcher knife? Like, what happened to her?
1: That's important because what you're describing now is who was she chasing? It wasn't your grandmother. Your grandmother represented someone, Mm -hmm. and we don't know who that is because it kept setting her off. So who was that? So now you look at something else. We need great-grandmother included. We also need space for the other missing one, Mm -hmm. whoever that was who triggered it. Because once all of those are given their space and grandmother's given her space, then the system can start to settle. Everybody has been seen. It's a little bit like Bibi Schroeder from the Hellinger Institute of the Netherlands. She says, when you tear a page out of a book, It's no longer complete. It doesn't matter whether you like that page or not. It belongs in that book. So powerful.
0: I know you've talked about your daughter is adopted. So like there are certain things you just don't know because you don't completely know your family of origin. right? Or for me in this example, like I can never fully know what happened to my great grandmother that put that pain in her that made her act that way. What do you do with that? And how do you hold space for the question marks?
1: Okay, so with your grandmother, even though your grandmother is passed, it's to look at it and say, you represented someone or something. This wasn't about you. Each one has their place. The one who caused it, great-grandmother, you, here's mom's place, here's my place. Look at me because I'm looking at the patterns to see how I can take those and turn it into something that's helpful. Mm. I have a mom who sees me. For the first time in four generations, my mom sees me and a daughter is not frightened to be seen by her mother. And how incredible is that? You and your mom have done it together.
0: Yeah. And like how much gratitude you can have for me. Like my grandma was still really harsh, but kind and loving, but Mm -hmm. she was harsh and that was hard on me, but I wish I could go back. And I do thank her now, you know, spirit Mm -hmm. wise, that she broke that pattern and found a way to create a family of love and a foundation of love, even though she did not have that to stand on.
1: Absolutely. And your great-grandmother, whatever happened to her, thank you, great-grandmother. You started bringing things to our attention. Look what I'm doing with those patterns now. And by the way, I know you said you had looked at ancestral trauma. Slight click. You've been looking at ancestral possibility. We keep labeling it trauma, and that's not to say it didn't hurt, but there's also incredible possibility, and look what you've done with it. You went to the possibility.
0: Yeah, I love that, seeing the other side and how it's helped the family grow. Now, I do have a question, because there's got to be families out there like me where these things are kept secret, and when you bring it up, people feel ashamed of it. How do you deal with the repercussions from other people on doing this kind of work or of other people, I should say?
1: Yeah, if you're doing your work, the first thing I tell people when they come to a live event with me is when you go home and things have changed for you, please don't verbally vomit all over your family. They're going (laughs) to resist you. Don't do it. Just keep doing what you're doing. And that time and again, they will say to me, my family's going to excommunicate me. They'll never understand this. They'll never do this. And I go, just keep doing what you're doing. And then I see mom come into an event and I see dad come into an event and one of the siblings come in. It's when you do what you're doing that it makes the difference. You don't need to keep talking about it. You can, but be aware you could get some blowback.
0: Yeah. And honestly, people will just start to become intrigued after you Just are the way you are, and they see how different you are. And you might not even have to tell them about it. They might just start doing it on their own.
1: Well, they will, because the minute any part of the system shifts, nothing else can relate to it the same way. So you've already created a new pattern. So the system has to react or shift.
0: So I know that you work with a lot of C suite executives. Tell me why this work is particularly powerful with people in positions of leadership.
1: Oh, yes. Thank you. Because everybody says to me, I don't know how you could do this work. They're never going to speak to you. They have too much to protect. What I know is when I work with a leader who wants to up-level, they're actually visionary and they know that there's more to them than meets the eye. And the first thing I do when I agree to work with them is I say to them, okay, here's the deal. We're going to do a deep dive into your family and your career. And they go, why? And I go, because you didn't get to be you in a vacuum. Who you are as a leader is either in collusion with or reaction to the system that you came from. Let's go and look. And then they go, well, I've got these really unpleasant things in my family. No, you look at them as unpleasant. Let's see where the gift is because there is a gift. So let's go looking for the gift. And it's when they start to see how the system has been supporting them all the way along that they begin to read things differently. So I'll tell you, I had a gentleman who came in and he said, you know, I have two sons. They're getting older and they want advice from me. And I don't know what to tell them. This guy's a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at him. I said, OK. He says, well, you know, what do I tell them? My son, my eldest son doesn't know how he even belongs in the family. And my second son's a dreamer. And I said to him, So tell me more. So he talks about it and he says, you know, our family's fortune shifted. When my eldest son was born, the day he was born, I held him in my arms and I said, Today's the day I changed this family's fortune. And I made one call and it changed everything. And I said, Have you told him that he's responsible for the family fortune? Oh, no. So he said, hmm. But dreamers said, my son is a dreamer. I was a dreamer and I collected all of these particular cards from a particular socket group until somebody came in, tore them off the the wall and beat me up. And I never looked at it again. And he went, oh, my goodness, it was my birthday two weeks ago. And he just gave me all of those in this beautiful. And I said, hmm, so dreamers can do good things. He said, yeah, he's my second son. I'm a second son. My father was a second son and my father didn't get a chance. I said, but you did and your son does. Yeah. So dreamers are good things. So he said, yeah, okay. We're talking and we're talking. He says, you know, I hate shoes. So I said to him, you hate shoes? No, you don't. Yeah, I do. I said to him, you really don't? And he said, I hate shoes. When I was young, I asked my father for a pair of shoes and my mother said, do you know what it takes to put a pair of shoes on your feet? And I was so ashamed I never asked again. So I said to him, but you love shoes. And he said, I don't love shoes. And I said, please tell me which is the charity that you support. And he said, Tom's shoe- Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this. We have our stories. We have the beautiful stories. And we have the universe genuinely supporting us from day one. But we keep missing the clues because we don't write them down. We don't talk about them. We don't notice what we're doing. And we don't use it to take the next step.
0: How do we start getting more intentional about observing and then utilizing the clues?
1: So first thing is you want to notice where you get really, really frustrated, mad, sad, annoyed, things don't work, you're stuck. Sit down and you want to write down for yourself, what do I tell myself about that? In other words, what are my thoughts? What are my feelings? What are the actions I take? When did that start? What was happening in my life at the time? Is that pattern there or a similar one for anybody else in the family? What's asking me to stop and what's asking me to start? And then just pay attention, go back and have a look at what do I remember about being a kid? What do I remember that ties into this? When I was eight, I had a teacher tell me, I said to her, I'm going to be in medicine and I'm going to be a doctor. And she said, no, Tracy's going to be a doctor and you're going to do books and things and you're going to work with people's hearts and souls. And I went, no, I'm going to be a doctor. So I went and did the medical thing. Tracy's a doctor. I do this. It was all sitting there. It's all been there. People who said to me, you'll never write books. You're useless. Well, I love that because when somebody tells us that, be aware that you're always casting spells, by the way, your words mean something. They can have big influence on others. When somebody says to me, you can't, my first reaction is, oh, really? Watch me. So they've equipped me to go in the other direction. So often as teachers, as parents, as friends, we say to somebody, don't do that. That's dumb. You'll never get anywhere. And we go, okay, I guess I'll never get anywhere. Or we go, watch me.
0: So if somebody has taken the first route and they've heard that messaging, I'll never get anywhere. I mean, a lot of people who listen to the show are wildly talented, wildly creative, but don't know how to go toward their dream or feel like they can't get there. If someone's stuck in that pattern, is loyal to that pattern, how can they start to break that one?
1: Great. So, oh, you're a creative. You're. A cre- what are you going to do with that? Because you know, in the real world, that is not going to pay the bills. Okay. Walt Disney doesn't agree with you. Picasso doesn't agree with you. The big thing is we've got to learn to listen to hear first. And here is the heart. Here is the heart. If you've had that message all your life, you could be as talented as all get out. If you're listening to that, and that's what has your attention. You will very sadly and beautifully agree, and then you won't get as far as you could. So to those creatives, it's to say, who told you you couldn't? Was that the truth for them? Because it's not yours. What is your truth? What do you have to offer? Don't do it like anybody else. That's one of the other big pieces. Your voice and your chapter is the chapter that only you can write. It doesn't matter if there are 40 others doing X and you're the 41st, your voice is different, and people are looking for it, and it has a message. Take what really moves you, put that into only your voice, and translate it into messages that shift others, and you're gonna move.
0: So let's say somebody does that, they figure out where the messaging came from, that it's not theirs, but they're still in that
1: pattern, Of being loyal to the system. Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you just do it every day? Two things. Head, heart, and gut, right? So you can do it every day and you can keep saying, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. The heart's nowhere in sight and the gut's not anywhere. You've got to tell yourself a story that you really, really believe. And it's got to be so exciting that it pulls you past all of the old excuses into where you're going. That's why you ask, What's possible here? And you keep building the weight there. The idea of being able to teach in the heart of magic that is near and dear to my heart was so strong that I couldn't resist it and I kept going. And then I did it a second time and didn't drop dead the second time either. And then it started to grow. It's having the courage to believe in you, not all the stories. So you've got to understand what the stories are And then you've got to create the story that is so big that it pulls you way past those.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's so beautiful because a big thing also that I love your whole approach. First of all, I just want to tell you because I take a holistic approach to creativity. I can't really teach someone to fully unleash creatively if they don't know, love and trust themselves and if they don't know how to deal with fear, because I think that, you know those knowing yourself, loving yourself and trusting yourself and having some sort of a relationship with fear where when it comes up, you know how to take it out of the driver's seat. So love your approach. What would you say to like the general fear? Like if someone's feeling fearful or anxious about almost everything in their life, how do they start to pull themselves
1: out of that? Okay. So if you have a general fear, I would, again, I'd go and ask, describe it to me. Tell me what it says to you. It talks very, very nicely, by the way, especially, and here's another easy thing for your people to do take a piece of paper write the word fear put it at the other end of the room back up and start walking towards it and listen to what it's telling you Mm. I can't do this who do I think I am they're going to find out I'm an imposter and by the way there's no such thing as an imposter which I'll get to somebody's going to tell me I'm stupid it never works in our family You're going to hear all of those sentences. Now you look at it and go, okay, where did you come from? What was happening in my life at the time that you first popped up? Who else in the family had that? Okay, so now I know where it comes from. Okay, fear, I see you. You're probably multi-generational. You're sure as heck in my life. You and I need to go and make friends with something else. So fear is a part of my life, but what else can we co-opt here? Can we be bilingual? There may be fear, but can we go make friends with excitement too? I still get fear where I think, oh, are you kidding me? I thought you'd gone. Nope, here I am. Remember me. (laughs) And I've got to go, okay, where do you come from? When did you first surface? Who do you belong to? Maybe you don't belong to me. If so, we're about to return to sender. Yeah. (laughs) And thank you very much, fear, because you know what? You keep me really on my toes. I don't get complacent. Because of you, I don't get complacent. And often when you can acknowledge it that way, it goes, okay, as long as you can see me, I'm good. I don't need to mess with you.
0: Well, yeah, I think that that's the interesting part about all of this work, right? Is these negative patterns in our life only have control when we're trying to pretend like they're not there.
1: Absolutely. And when we're so invested in them because they haven't been completed. Those are the two times. If we pretend they're not there or if they're incomplete. If there is a really big fear, it may be a big fear that comes from generations ago and it's saying to you, see me, please. I'll give you a different example. So, not fear, but feelings. I had somebody who came in and said to me, I have no emotion. Okay, no emotion. I do not cry. Well, about an hour in, she's sobbing and she says, what's happening? And she can't stop. And I said to her, let's have a look. Your mother couldn't cry. Your grandmother couldn't cry. Your great-grandmother was the one who was so shocked by what happened that after that she couldn't feel and she couldn't cry. Do you understand that you are crying and grieving for four generations? When we have a big fear, it may be a fear that we're holding for generations. And it's time to look at it and say, can we put you down gently and can we pick up something else? Or will you come with me and I'll show you what else is possible?
0: Mm. When you say, or would you come with me and I'll show you what else is possible? In that iteration, how would that have worked?
1: Well, sometimes you have somebody who says, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Tell me how old you are. I'm about eight. I can feel me as a much smaller person. Good. Pick someone to represent that. Okay. Can you hold hands? Good. Now let's go and show them what's possible. And I want you to turn around and say to that eight-year-old, look, look where we are now. It's okay. I got you. And you have a place with me. And you will always have a place with me. You keep me on my toes, but you don't need to be so overpowering anymore. That's your place. And now we have excitement too. You're good with that? It's seeing both and giving all their place.
0: Yeah. I love that too, because I always feel that creativity has a very deep link to the inner child. But something I recently realized is I think we don't let the inner child call the shots in the right moments, like when we're trying to experience joy and wonder. And we do let it call the shots in the wrong moments, like when it's holding us back from taking a
1: risk. They are wildly inappropriate. They're saying, you better look at me because here I am. (laughs) Zoom up, they pop. What they're saying is, if you won't look at me in the good moments, I am going to pester you until you notice me. So either you notice me and we make friends and sort this out, or I'm going to make your life miserable when you least want me to.
0: Right. And that's when we have to step up and be the adult, like you shared in that Constellation example.
1: Exactly. Hey, I hear you and I see you. I hear that you don't feel seen. What are you trying to tell me? I'm going to stop and I'm going to listen. What is it that I need to hear that I'm missing? Often it's please see me. Please give me a place. Your great grandmother, something terrible happened to me. I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to chase it to death. Yes. And poor grandmother's running around and around the kitchen or wherever we're going. Oh my goodness, it's not about grandmother, but it's something. When we can look at that, that happened. Grandmother's got her place. Great-grandmother's got her place. It has its place and the system can breathe. So
0: when you brought that example up, that struck something in my mind that I've heard you say, your nervous system is not just your nervous system.
1: Yes, it is the entire family's nervous system. The entire families, when your nervous system is so jangled that you can't process, your chances are very high. You're tapping into the generations before and their nervous systems are alive and you've got that coming down the pipeline. When you start to restore peace and balance, if you watch, it gets very quiet. And the way to notice that, by the way, is, you know, those little inner voices. Uh Those are not just your inner voices. Those are multi generational voices. They're not just yours. Everybody goes, well, then I sabotage myself. Yeah, nope. That's also prior generations going, don't do that. Don't do that. We know how this goes. Don't do that. So be aware. You're putting down the multi-generational nervous system and letting it breathe. Say more. That's
0: a fascinating idea. You're putting down the multi-generational nervous system and letting it
1: breathe. Yes. The minute you start breathing and you start being quieter and you've looked at things and you've integrated them and you start to quiet inside, watch those little pesky voices get very quiet too. You've breathed it back. You've gone, you know what, guys, I got this. Mm. And it goes, okay, she saw it. We're integrated. Everybody's been re-membered. We all belong. Systems going, okay, we don't have big vacuums. We don't have missing pages from books. We're good.
0: I love that. I'm going to have to sit with that for a while because that's a big message. And you're saying, too, I'm still picking up, let's say, even on the nervous system of six generations ago, I could still be.
1: Absolutely. If it's significant enough and it hasn't been addressed, included and resolved over time, details of the events are going to fade. But the symptoms are going to get louder and louder because they're going, look at me. There is a hole. We have missing pages give them back to me. And you're the one who looks at it and goes, I see you. And back comes a page. I see you. And a hole gets filled.
0: So we spoke about it a little bit, but for people who are either adopted or who don't know a ton about their family history, how can they utilize this gift in this form of healing?
1: Yeah. So what they want to do is timeline their own lives from as far back as you can remember. Where are the gaps? What happened to you? What are the significant events? What did you make it mean about you? What did you make it mean about others? So when you do that, you start to see there are patterns. And when there are patterns, it means that you can then start to unwind those patterns and put them down.
0: I really want to talk with you about money because I think this also is a huge messaging that a lot of people in creative fields deal with oh, you know, I'll never make money from that. I have to work this other job. Oh, like if I make money from my art, that's dirty. How do we rewire that messaging in our
1: brain? It's that same process of what do I think about money? This is the thought that comes up. What do I feel about that? Useless and hopeless. What am I doing with that? What is the action? Well, I just withdraw. Now we look at it and go, you know what? I don't want to feel so scared around money anymore. Money, can I learn to be a better friend with you? I know that I never have it because I'm always giving it out. What if I just keep a little bit back because now I'm changing the pattern? And what if I start building a small nest egg? Ooh, that's an intriguing thought. Hey, money, guess what? I'm not stupid with money. You are a friend. You're not something to be scared of let's be friends. I'm going to learn more about you. I'm going to be the one in the family who turns this around so that you are free to flow into our family and you're friendly. And by the way, money DNA is one of my favorite topics because it is such a friend. It is a friend. It is flow. It is amazing. And once you start to really talk to it, and by the way, I make my bankers do it too, and they all go, really? And they come back and go, Oh my goodness, do you know that money is a real kind of energy? Yep. And it loves to be around you, but it's around you the way that you allow it to be. So if you're going to be scared and you you keep going, love all money, create a career all money, it's going to go, well, okay, I'll go and find somewhere else to play. When you say, come on, money, with you, I can do even more creative things. With you, I can have an amazing career. It goes, what are we doing? Let's play and in it comes.
0: Wow. And I heard you talk about how, you know, like say money is this beautiful thing that can help you live a beautiful life. And really what you're just saying is like developing the relationship with it. And then I'm sure that paired with figuring out the family messaging and the loyalty you have around any sort of
1: weird. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You want to look at the family loyalties because those family loyalties, what was once a solution becomes a problem. And if what was once a solution has become a problem, it's saying to you, hey, you know what, this language and these actions and these thoughts are not working for me. It's asking you, hey, Lauren, what different feelings can we have here? What are the new thoughts? What are the new actions we're taking? Are we actually going to be friends with money? Ooh, this is intriguing. And so you start to then open the heart. The brain goes let's see what we can do. And it gets really, this is where, by the way, for your creatives, the minute the heart opens, that frontal cortex switches on and it goes searching for all the exciting bits and pieces. So it switches on and then the gut goes, yeah, my instinct is let's do this. And it starts to play. Money is no different.
0: You have a really interesting take on surrender. I heard you talk about it on Maria Menounos' show. You talked about surrender and what it actually has to do with making your dreams come true. Can you talk a little bit about
1: surrender and what it means to you? Surrender is surrender to the end of those pesky little voices. It means surrender to the idea that you actually are bigger than you think you are. It means surrender to the fact that the poor universe is trying hard to get you to step up and be big so that it can use you really well. So surrender in this case means let go of the resistance, start embracing the bigness and really step into your possibility.
0: You also say that the day you decide to step into the bigness and be the fullness
1: of who you are is
0: actually the most humble day of your life.
1: Absolutely. It's the first day that you fully agree to take responsibility for growing a remarkable life. And you are now in service of the universe.
0: And just because I'm all in, obviously, I think that what you do is amazing. I believe it. I've seen it play out in my life. But for people who are a little bit more on the skeptical side, what is the scientific evidence of
1: this beautiful work that you do? Great. So two things, neuroscience and epigenetics. Let's start with epigenetics. So there are a, a number of good studies that have been done. I'm going to start with the Great Dutch Hunger Winter. That was where an entire city in the Netherlands was surrounded by the Nazis and they water and their food was cut off. Mm. And so for three months, they had to make do with what they had. When they studied this group of mothers who'd been pregnant with the children, They discovered that the mothers had eating situations, but the children had eating disorders and the children's children and the children's children's children. So there were four generations of that. Then we have the Holocaust, where you see a whole number of sufferings and patterns that are transferred down as a result of this imprint. And most recently, 9-11. They studied the markers on mothers who'd been carrying babies at the time that 9-11 happened. And they had elevated PTSD markers, so did their children. So we now know that this has been passed down. There are many studies. And then with neuroscience, of course, originally we thought that by the time you got to X number of years, you were done. The brain stayed the way it stayed. And then along came scientists and said, no, it really isn't. It's neuroplastic. So we now also know that you're not doomed to what you come from. One thought, one feeling, one action, and you begin to switch everything up. Now you're firing new neurons, you're wiring new systems, you're laying down new neural pathways. And so we see that somebody who comes from something horrific turns around and goes, look at this beautiful piece here. What they're doing is making a conscious choice and switching it. So yeah, the science behind it is nicely solid. And in my book, there's an entire chapter devoted to that. Because I know that for me, I came from a scientific background and I didn't just want woo-woo with none of the (laughs) stuff, you know, I need to know things. And so there is a chapter devoted to exactly that so that people can dive in and go, here's where it comes from. This is solid.
0: Right. And something else that you briefly touched on just now that I think is important to, first of all, let's call out your book, Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint. It's incredible. Everybody should pick up a copy because really, if you want to start doing this work, you give a great guide for how you can start engaging with this, using it in your life and starting to heal some of these patterns. But something you also talk about in your book and just in your work in general is how physical things play out that are actually attached to something generational or emotional one, the eating disorder, but what what other sort of like physical things can you maybe see play out that are generational?
1: Alcoholism, obesity, diabetes, gosh, so many eating disorders, There are a number of them. We carry those as well in our bodies very faithfully. And in fact, one of the lovely ones, and I say lovely, it's probably not lovely for whoever has it, but some people who don't understand why they keep putting on weight, sometimes they're including the missing ones. Or you have people whose food patterns have crossed. So what happens is you should get an endless supply of emotional DNA or food and a finite supply of physical food. But what happens is, if we can't get the endless supply that we need of emotional food, the brain can switch. And now it mistakes the physical food for the emotional food.
0: When you say you're eating for the ones that aren't there or were lost...
1: Sometimes we expand our body mass to include the ones who were excluded or lost. The body knows and the soul knows what we don't always look at.
0: Wow. Beautiful. There's just so much. Yeah. So definitely get the book so you can delve in on all that. Cause there's, we're just scraping the surface. I mean, there's so much meat here. So Judy, final question for you. If you and the version of yourself who had just lost her dad and was searching for meaning and felt like, if I don't write, I don't know what's going to happen. If you and that Judy were standing in the same room and you were looking at each other, What do you think she would say to
1: you now and why? She would say to me, I'm afraid I don't know if we'll make it. Oh my goodness, if I look at you now, I can't believe it. What would I say to that younger version? I wish I'd known to say to you, it's going to be okay. It's okay to relax. Universe is alive and well and it's got your back. And it's a good life. It's a good life. Yeah.
0: Judy, thank you for giving us so many tools to live fully and to really embrace our bigness today. So grateful for you and what you do in the
1: world and who you are most importantly. Thank you. And thank you for the loveliest conversation and for being in a tornado with me.
0: <laughs> I know. And J- Judy is like the true trooper of Unleash Your Inner Creative. She <laughs> went through a tornado, went into her closet, we paused, and then she came <laughs> back. So you are definitely world's most resilient guest and expert. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was like, okay, so let's get back into this. I think this is one thing, just by the way, for you and for anybody Please. creative out there. When you get a big bump. I mean, this wasn't a big bump. This was a nothing. But when you get a bump, just have a look at what it's really trying to bring to you. I had bumps, so many of them that I thought, how am I going to get back to the extent that a tornado happens and 20 minutes later, you and I are talking again. Yeah,
0: it's so true because that's something I've really realized in my own life is like, there were times when I thought I failed, but I actually didn't fail. I was just so adverse to feeling disappointment that I rebranded it as a failure. Yeah. And so now I'm trying to build up my tolerance for saying like, okay, I'm disappointed. How can I change that? But there's so much of your work that I need right now. And I know that the world's we're all shifting our consciousness right now to look at things from a more holistic point of view. So your work is of such vital importance. And I'm so happy that you took a chance on yourself and you continue to each day because You're changing the lives of millions of people by being who you are.
1: And that's it, right? It's all about taking a chance on yourself.
0: Ah, Judy, I adore you. Thank you for everything.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a
0: blast. Thank you for listening. And thanks to my guest, Judy Wilkins-Smith. For more info on Judy, follow her at Judy Wilkins-Smith and visit her website, JudyWilkins-Smith, where you can find her books, blogs, research, upcoming events, and even sign up for coaching lessons. Thanks to Rachel Fulton for helping edit this week's episode of Unleash. Thank you to Liz Full for the show's theme music. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, please remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag the guests at Judy Wilkins-Smith so she can share as well. My wish for you this week is that you start to notice your family and ancestral patterns. Learn to recognize the trauma of the past, see how it might be playing out for you, feel it, heal it, and move forward creating a path that is truly your own, while at the same time holding gratitude for what you and your ancestors survived. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.